Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So now Posey reaches away, and Ballinger throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman here, as always, with Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. Coming off a weekend that was, whew, thank God for Patrick Bailey. That's that's not just the theme for this weekend, but for the whole season in general. This is episode 71 of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Shasky, I think you're going to like this one. So uh, yesterday was the Giants' 28th game the Giants had played in the second half. Uh, in the 27 games prior... They had hit 204 as a team in the San Francisco era. Only one other team has hit 204 over a 27 game stretch. That was the Giants of 1971 for episode 71. So how's that one? I mean, I thought you were going to go Tyler Rogers on me, but you totally redeemed yourself. <laughs> I like to go and I like to go in different different directions. You know, always keep them on your toes. I was gonna go Trent Williams, Tyler Rogers. There's a, there's a random seventy ones in our life. I did not expect you to go seventy one Giants. Exactly, well, especially in such a roundabout way too. And you know what? That team won the division. So oh. Giants two hundred four over a twenty seven game stretch. Every time they've done it, they've won the NL West. So uh, book it there. The greatest comeback you're going to see in a long time. The Giants are going to be the 2023 NL West Division champions based off that uh, hey, that one fact, right? Thank God for Patrick Bailey, right? Oh, he absolutely saved what would have been a disastrous weekend. Let's start off with that, too. Just this past weekend against the Rangers, which was already an emotionally charged series yeah. with seeing Bruce Bochy back in town, mm-hmm. seeing him kind of in the in the other dugout again. So it was all, we're, we're going to get into Bochy in our next segment a little bit, but this was definitely an emotionally charged series, and it felt like Patrick Bailey really saved the weekend in a big way. Well, let, let's let's get into Patrick Bailey. I actually mm-hmm. think we'll get to this part. I think if you were going to be the most optimistic about Farhan Zaidi, 
it's because of Patrick Bailey. That's the lone person. And we'll get to that point in a second. He's batting nine for 22 with five hits over the last uh, like week or so of baseball. Uh, Excuse me, nine hits, five walks, seven RBIs. He has been on fire right now. I was really worried. He was slumping. I mean, he was batting like 100-something in the 20 games prior and has been red hot the last week. What that tells me, he adjusted to the league. Mm -hmm. The league adjusted to him. And now he's adjusting back. So I'm super excited. The defense is so obvious. Obviously, he's great when it comes to framing. He's got an unbelievable quick pop time, snap time, whatever you want to call it, throwing down to different bases. I think that his athleticism behind the plate is ridiculous and his arm speed is ridiculous. But this bat, this bat rounding back into form, batting cleanup yesterday, being the clutch late inning producer that he has been, if you want to point to one reason why you'd be optimistic and still have faith in Farhan, to me, it's because of Patrick Bailey. They took Joey Bart number two overall, the prior regime, the year just prior to Farhan getting here. Number two overall, a catcher. And within four or five months, Farhan's like, you know what? I've made my assessment. We mm-hmm. need to still double down and get this catcher after just drafting the guy number two overall. To me, that shows gumption. That shows I don't care what people think about me. I'm going to draft the best player that I believe is going to help us overall. He didn't hit right away in the minors. If we're talking about Patrick Bailey, he did get a gold glove, though. And the timing, the development, when to bring him up. They've hit on all of these things. Patrick Bailey, to me, if I was looking for one area to be optimistic on Farhan, it's because of number 14, Patrick Bailey. Oh, I absolutely agree. Honestly, I think Patrick Bailey has... I'm not going to say he's saved Farhan Zaidi's job because I don't think Farhan's job is really kind of in, in jeopardy right now. Okay. I don't think the seat is heating up right now on Farhan Zaidi. This... I, I mean, it's it's funny how you're kind of talking about Farhan right here because I'm kind of sliding. Well, I'm in the trying to be a, I'm right trying now. to be fair, Sam. No, I want to give him. No, I want to give fair. him love. Like no, when he are. does good things, I need to point it out. No, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think, yeah, identifying Bailey like he did when they already had Joey Bart in the system, that is definitely a ballsy move to be able to see, like, you know what? I think we need to 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 go in a different direction there. I think a part of it is also. You know, you're you're not going to overthink the draft. You know, you can never have too much catching in, in any system. Uh, catchers can be so valuable. When I saw them, when I when I saw the Giants draft Patrick Bailey, I never really saw it as like an indictment on Joey Bart. I saw it more as like you just that is just that you can't ever have too many catchers because you don't know what a prospect is going to be like as they mature through the system. You know, maybe you have a situation where Bart and Bailey are doing great, so you keep one, trade the other, kind of something like that. Good um, point. So I never really saw it as an indictment on Joey Bart. But when things start going south with Joey Bart and then Farhan's like, well, hey, it's a good thing we got Patrick Bailey here. That's the kind of move where it's like, all right, you know what? Whatever you were thinking when you drafted Patrick Bailey, I don't know. But the result of you drafting him is you've got a potential stud here coming up through this, you know, from this system. And yeah, he's making Farhan's anxiety look really good. As, as frustrating as this season has been, as disappointing as some of these free agent signings have been, you could look at Patrick Bailey and be like, you know what? I'm not saying that Farhan gets an A for this season, but if we're doing a pass fail, Bailey's keeping Farhan very much in the pass category because yeah, it's just if if the goal this year going into this uh, you know last off season was to get that star, be it Judge or Carlos Correa, yeah, the Giants failed there. If the goal this season was to find that star <laughs> within the organization, I'm not saying that Patrick Bailey is at that level yet but he's your closest bet. And the fact you have a guy you could point at and be like, that's a dude who we can kind of rally this team around. 
We didn't have that going into this season, and now we do. Point Farhan. Yeah, well, he's not going to win the rookie of the year, and and that's okay. That doesn't mean you can't be an immediate mm. impact franchise type player. Like uh, I'm looking at a guy right now who is going to be a Gold Glove caliber player for how many years in a row here? Mm-hmm. Six, seven for a while. Eight? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to get too far down the road and say 15 years, like very few guys do. I mean, just watch Buster Posey, barely played a decade, right? So, like, it's a very physically demanding position. But every year that he's going to be in his prime, I think you could put him up for that gold glove. What has he done with the staff? Think about all the moving parts on this staff, and they've thrown all of that, all these openers, all this bullpenning, really only one established starter in Logan Webb. Cobb is, I guess, an established starter, but he's been scuffling before he got to the Giants. You know, oh, like, yeah, I agree. Continue. So, so like, think of what Patrick Bailey has had to shoulder behind the dish in terms of maintaining the staff. And he's done all that while also a bunch of guys who can't hold runners on gunning down anyone who wants to steal second base. No, I mean, the fact that teams still run on Patrick Bailey, it's like crazy. It's either you're a crazy or B, you just want to test him. You know, I feel <laughs> like when you have like those really fast dudes, like they just want to be able to see if you could beat yeah. him. And it's like, you know, if you if you lose, then all right, well, that that's why he's one of the best. But I look at Bailey and the whole it, people have been kind of comparing him to Buster Posey. I understand why people do. I don't really compare him to Buster Posey, like apples to apples, as you would compare him to Buster Posey. But he's very similar to Posey in that when Posey came up as a rookie, he had a very difficult to manage pitching staff, and he wrangled them in right away. He was working with a two-time Cy Young winner in Tim Lincecum who really liked throwing to Benji Molina. Buster was able to make that relationship work right away. Patrick Bailey coming in, it's a very advanced, you know, veteran-heavy pitching staff that he has handled very, very well. The maturity, the leadership he shows on the field, it's not so much what he does in the box score that makes you very excited about what he's going to be for this organization. It's those intangibles. It's the leadership he shows yeah. and the way he comports himself. I mean, honestly, when you go around that clubhouse, he's very kind of mild-mannered. He's not that loud. He's not that boisterous, but he kind of has that you know lead-by-example presence about him. Buster Posey was another one. Wasn't really the most outgoing public personality, but you knew he was leading by example in that clubhouse. He was being that general behind the plate and setting the tone for the pitchers, keeping them kind of in a in a in a good groove there, and this is a very difficult pitching staff to catch. Not just yeah. in you know the 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 stuff and the different looks that these guys are throwing at you, but the the situations that guys are coming into. This is a very just yeah. the way they're doing the pitching this year. It's weird. And I want to get to kind of some comments about that that Alex Wood made in a minute. But I think when you factor all that in, I mean, rookie of the year, okay, whatever. He doesn't maybe he doesn't win that Gold Glove. He absolutely should be on the short list of catchers in the Gold Glove conversation. But again, like I mentioned earlier. As a potential franchise pillar, is he the four guy, the four hitter that he's going to clean up every night? Maybe not, but he is the guy who's like, you know what? Let's rally this team around this guy. We have a dude right now. We have some other guys who might be dudes in Luis Matos, maybe Marco Luciano. The future looks still very promising through all the gobbledygook that has been kind of these last few weeks for the Giants. Well, it sucks that Luca Marco Luciano hurt his hamstring, but I have a feeling we'll see him again at some point. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen with Matos in center field? It sounds like maybe he gets demoted. I, I'm not really sure. I, I think that's you a think little so. too sure. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What do you think? I think, I mean, Gabe Kapler kind of spoke about Matos over the weekend. His thing was like, basically, we have all the confidence in our young 21-year-old center fielder. Because they, they remember, they, on Saturday night, they had him play left field. Yes. And uh, someone asked him, you know, why are we putting him in left and not in center? And I think it was more just they want to try and do some positional versatility. You know, the Giants love their positional versatility. One and two, it's all because like, you know what? He's had some rough goes out in center. Let's give him a break in left field as well. A little bit. I don't think we're making too much of the balls falling in front of him. I I, I think like people are like pretending like Yaz is amazing out there. Like he's Mm -hmm. fine. Yaz is a plus defender in center field. I don't think Slater's a center fielder. Uh, I'm not sure about Ramos in center field. That, That was a little... Head scratchy. Corner. I feel very good about Matos playing center in the long-term future. I mean, also, again, center field at Oracle Park is very difficult. Uh, well, Friday night, yes. I think it was Leodius yes. uh, Tavares out in center. I think that's the last one. Yeah, Tavares misplayed that Heliot Heli- mm-hmm. Ramos triple. Uh, Bruce Bochy was asked about that the next day, and he said, you know, yeah, I've seen lots of balls misplayed like that. It's a very difficult center field to play. Well, so, well, you know, it, these things do happen. Again, he's 21 years old. I'm yes. not going to overstress it. He's got but, a lot of baseball ahead of him. Now that you brought up Ramos screaming that ball, it's nice to see him this weekend. What the hell were they doing with A.J. Pollock? Like, for real. Like, I know I like you to, love... I like, I, to read, I like to think of it as they wanted to get Mark Mathias, but they just kind of had to throw A.J. Pollock in on the side. And then you bat him third a week ago? Like, what are we doing? Like, I, I, that was a weird head scratch. You know, I feel like we're out of the woods on that one, though. Can, can, we, can, we, can we just look at each other and say, dear God, please, barring health, play Ramos at, over A.J. Pollock the rest of the year. I think if there's ever on that. If there's ever an opportunity to squeeze in Ramos instead of Pollock, do it. That's I, all I'm asking. I just want to see Ramos for the rest of the year. I agree with you there. I loved it. I don't know why they didn't just do that right off the rip. It, it makes no sense. But you know what? It doesn't really matter how you get from A to B. All that really matters is that you are at point for B. For sure. Before we move on, I want to talk about um, kind of some comments that Alex Wood said after uh, Saturday night's loss. He came in in relief for Alex Cobb when uh, four and two-thirds inning, I get, innings, I believe. I don't have that off the top of my head. Uh, but it was, you know, a relief role that I'm not sure he was really ready for. He had thrown a bullpen session on Friday and uh, I want to just, just play his comp. I'm gonna play his comments, what he said after the game and just kind of, I'll explain why they kind of stuck out to me. Most worlds are probably, you know, shouldn't have got sent back out there for the, you know, the last, the, the, the last inning, but you know, I know where we're at, what's been going on with, with, with the team. And I mean, the, the only reason I said I was good to go back out for that last inning was literally for these guys in this, in this clubhouse. That is the only reason, you know, I love these guys and you know, I know we, we haven't been playing our best ball. And so what do you make of that? Yeah, I was the way he said it too. the, the emphasis he put on only the guys here in this clubhouse. It was the way he said it. It just, it really stuck out to me when he did say it. Like I kind of snapped to attention when he said, you know, in the scrum and I followed that up. I asked him like, you know, so like guys are really kind of united with each other here in this clubhouse. And he kind of went on saying more like, yeah, you know, he loves the guys in his clubhouse. They have a very tight unit here in this clubhouse. They really like, like the guys on this team really like each other. But then I kind of were, and then I kind of twisted into, well, since you guys are all friends, does that make it easier to kind of turn this thing around? He's like, you would think and kind of went off in a different tangent there. But I was kind of thinking, walk out of the clubhouse last night, only for the guys in the clubhouse, not anyone else, not the coaching staff or, or you know anyone above him, only the guys in the clubhouse. That makes me wonder, is there some sort of disconnect right now between the players and the coaching staff? 
I mean, I think this is a question that I need to redirect toward you. You're in that clubhouse all the time. I'm not. I'm sitting on my couch watching, <laughs> and, you know, scratching my you know what's and, and saying to myself, what, what, what the hell's going on here? Like yeah. when I watch Jock and right field, I was like, what are we doing? Like, I don't mm-hmm. care if that's a blowout game. Like, what? why am I watching Jock struggle to play defensively in right field? What? what how is this on the spreadsheet? I did, uh, some of the moves are very questionable. And I think you're kind of, that's the attitude you're seeing here. It's like, again, this has not been an ideal season. A lot of things have gone off the rails. The pitching Isn't that is not kind of wild. Cause they're, it they're, really it's is. Like I, they're having a bad year. No, they're not. I mean, they're still in contention. They're still figuring out ways to put it together. Gabe Kapler, I think has done an incredible job kind of piecing this puzzle together every night. But at the same time, like you look at a guy like Alex Wood, he clearly wants to start. He's clearly frustrated. He walks around with a dark cloud over his head. Now I think that's just kind of who he is as a person. Um, But he, again, like, I see after every loss, guys are still talking to each other, still enjoying each other's company. But like, I don't know how much the coaching staff is involved in that. And, you know, we talked last year, you know, did Kapler lose the clubhouse last year? I never really saw anything that would truly, I think, stand out to me is that he did lose this clubhouse. But it's the second year in a row they've kind of had things not go according to plan. And it's just they felt stalled out at times. And comments like that make me wonder, like, I'm not saying that Gabe Kapler has lost the clubhouse. What I am saying is that that does feel like there are frustrations building up within these players that might be causing some sort of, I keep saying the word disconnect with the coaching staff. And that, that kind of worries me because the vibe in the clubhouse was not super great this past weekend. What do you say to people that would say, I'm not one, but like people that would say, well, who the hell is Alex Wood? Like, who does he think he is? What do you, what do you say to that? Well, I think that's kind of fair on the one hand. I mean, I, again, he says he, he's a guy who really wants to start. Uh, Ross yeah. Stripling's another guy. He said, would he prefer to start or come out of the bullpen? He would prefer to start. Well, if there's a great way to nail a spot in the starting rotation. It's called you pitch better. Well, here's the thing. Stripling, he's been fine in the second half, but he's been really getting screwed over by the one bad pitch-itis. And, but Alex Wood, it's just like, you say it all year, Doc, can you give me five innings? Can you give me 12 <laughs> outs? Like, you can pitch well for a very short amount of time. Like you say, you want to be a starting pitcher, but you pitch kind of like a reliever. So it's, it's hard for me to take your gripe seriously when you're not pitching very well. If he was, you know, going to the seventh inning or stuff like that and still showing frustration over things, that's one thing, but like, that's kind of one of the things that you control your destiny here, Alex, if you want to start, it's on you start, you know, pitch well enough to force these guys to put you into the starting rotation. That's more or less what Ross Stripling did. And again, they're still not fully committed to him on being in the starting rotation. Yeah, I, I man, I, I see all the sides of this and I feel like this is just another example of people are going to pick which crusade they want to choose on. Like you want to rip Alex Wood, you can rip Alex Wood here. If you want to rip Farhan for how he's dealing with them, you could rip them. I think your point about Gabe Kapler is the point that's the most important I think given how lackluster the roster is and incomprehensive it is, it's a miracle they're at where they're at. Like, Mm -hmm. honestly, if you would have told me that they would have basically 1.7, you know, starters, not even a a full second starter, like because Alex Cobb's played pretty bad last couple outings and he addressed that. I would say there's no way in hell he keeps his clubhouse together, given all of the individual things going on. How has he done it? No, he's done an incredible job. I don't know how he's doing it. Uh, I asked him before the game on Friday, you know, or yeah, on Friday, just with the bat struggling, how do you kind of keep guys from not falling into their own feelings? And he's just preaching a, 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 an aura of let's just relax. Let's just stay loose. Guys are going to press a little bit, but it's all about not getting too stressed out about it. You know, the core of this team is very veteran heavy. 
McNeil, and that's regards to Conforto, Flores, Jock, those guys. They've had their ups and downs before, and so they know how to get through this. I think you need them to set a tone for the young guys. Hey, let's not get too down. Everyone in this clubhouse, I think, is very good about not getting too high or too low. I do think Kapler is somewhat responsible for that. But he's just saying, like, let's just relax. Let's not stress out about it too much. And then, you know, he's burning sage and stuff like that in the dugout to try and, you know, get rid of all the, the non-hitties. I can see if you're a baseball player kind of side-eyeing a lot of that or rolling your eyes when he talks about stuff like that. Um, again, I'm not hitting red alert just yet. But it, it's if things go south a little bit more this week, which, you know, with the Rays in town and then going yes. to the East Coast, take on the Braves and Phillies, not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, it's just something to keep an eye on right now. Hopefully it doesn't go too far off the rails because I do think that would undercut the great job that Kapler has done. Uh, but it was just, it was very striking. Just the, the tone that Alex Wood came out with, with those comments and there. Isn't it ironic? It comes out the weekend that they're playing Bochi. And that I think just compounds all of that. So let's end up, get into Bruce Bochi here in this next segment. 